Welcome to March. Yeah, it's still here. <laughs> March is endless, is it not? March 27th is today. Happy Monday to you. It's Mike Opelka and the Pure Opelka podcast. So many things to get to after this crazy weekend. I, I wonder if Joe Biden is awake yet. I'm recording this relatively early Monday morning. But I don't know if he's awake because we're certainly not hearing much out of the president. Never mind the fact that Vladimir Putin is saying he's going to put nuclear missiles in Belarus right next door to Ukraine, right next door to Poland. Never mind that. Never mind the fact that uh, we, we have an economic crisis that continues to grow in several different directions, by the way. Did you notice used car prices are rising again? Yeah, it's because people can't afford to buy new cars with the cost of the new cars going up due to inflation and the cost of borrowing money to buy a car going up due to inflation. People are hanging on to their older cars. People are buying out their leases. Yeah, that's a problem. So the economy's still teetering. We have, uh, we have the international crisis. We have China getting together with Russia. And it looks like China's plan just might be let's let the west waste all of their military resources on the ukrainian russian war and then we'll go in and attack taiwan and what are they going to do well apparently one of donald trump's old advisors said the plan is that we have to knock out the taiwan chip factories if china starts going in there because that's really what uh what Taiwan is most prized for at this point. China doesn't need more people. They've got a lot of people, but they want that business. Taiwan is the leader in chip manufacturing. So that's an interesting story. But Joe Biden's lack of any attention to his real job is overshadowed by the, the latest gaslighting attempt. Uh, a tweet that Joe Biden put out this past weekend is just insane and wrong and if this kind of a statement had been put out by the trump administration it would have been ridiculed on a major level what am i talking about joe biden is telling everyone that uh, the fentanyl crisis is about to get worse because republicans want to cut funding at the border and that means just so much more deadly fentanyl is going to come across the border hold on a second here bud you're the guy who opened the borders. You're the guy who gave the green light to the cartels to bring in all the fentanyl that's killing, what is it, 200 to 250 people a day in this country? As if an entire plane would crash and everybody aboard would die every day since you've been in office, Joe? No, we're not believing it. And they better, they better give Joe Biden 50,000 Pinocchios for this, the fact checkers. But they won't. So we have... Uh, we have that issue. Uh, Donald Trump held a rally in Waco, Texas this uh, past weekend. 15,000 people showed up and it didn't get a lot of coverage except the left wants to mock it saying, oh, why is he in Waco 30 years after the Branch Davidian situation? Well, maybe that's a fair point, but it wasn't like he held the rally on the anniversary. And let's face it, Waco, Texas is Trump country. So you do you, left-leaning media. Do whatever you want to do. We know what you're up to already. 
Donald Trump did say after the rally that uh, he believes Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, is going to drop the investigation in him into him or uh, may have already dropped the investigation into him. I don't know if that's true. We'll find out today. I guess the grand jury scheduled to meet again. Mr. Trump did say a couple of interesting things at the rally. Let me give you one of them. The rule of law is a tremendous threat to Western civilization. And I say, I was asked the other day, and I took a little heat for it. They said, who's our biggest threat? Is it China? Sure. Or is it Russia? I said, no, our biggest threat are high-level politicians that work in the United States government, like Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, Schumer, Biden. Yeah, I think he's not wrong there. I think the swamp still needs uh, serious draining. We still have a lot of bad people in very high places who have weaponized things like the DOJ. And so I, I don't think Donald Trump was off the track there. I, I think he nailed that one. Absolutely. Now, some of his criticism of Ron DeSantis seemed to get a lukewarm reception. And we'll talk about that either today or on another day. But it was um, it was a big rally for Mr. Trump. He showed up in his 757 Trump Force One. He circled the rally while the speakers down on the ground played the theme from Top Gun. Dramatic entrance. They played the the number one song in the country, which is the mashup between the Pledge of Allegiance and the National Anthem featuring Donald Trump and the January 6th choir. The number one song in the country. Think about it. Maybe we'll play that to the end of the show. It's uh, it's kind of amazing. Kind of amazing indeed. But we have a lot of other weekend news to get to, and some of it happened uh, early today. There was stuff going on all weekend, but I have to start out here because schadenfreude is an important thing. Schadenfreude, in case you don't know, it's a German word meaning the uh, joy that we get, the pleasure we take at the misfortune of others. And today's schadenfreude moment, and its extended moment, is courtesy of that dolt over at CNN, Don Lemon, whose numbers are going down again, by the way. Don Lemon destroys everything he touches. His ratings are sinking in the, uh, in the morning gig. But Don Lemon was on air today talking with a, uh, a, a representative of Buckingham Palace about reparations from the British. You know, reparations for what? And uh, Mr. Lemon was absolutely destroyed by the woman he was speaking with. Well, this is coming when, you know, there's all of this wealth and you hear about it comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity budget cuts and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism. And they're wondering, you know, one hundred billion dollars, twenty four billion dollars here and there, five hundred million there. Some people want to be paid back and uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are? You know, you have all of this vast wealth. Those are legitimate concerns. So Don Lemon asked that question, by the way, this is from uh, from one of his last nighttime shows. He was asking a representative of uh, the British people about the reparations. And this answer is just epic. Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Now. 
This lady is Hilary Fordwich. She's a royal commentator, a commentator on the royal family. And Don Lemon wants to know about reparations. And she said, well, we need to go back to the supply chain, don't we? And she does go all the way back. That was the beginning of the supply chain. That was in Africa. And when across the entire world, when the slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished sla- uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In, in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages. Absolutely. That's where they should start. And Now, I wish you could see Don Levin's face. He is just dumbfounded. Yeah, you need to go back to the start of slavery. Who started it? Uh, it was the African kings who were rounding up people in their own country and getting paid by the slave traders. They put them in cages and left them on the on the docks. And the boats would come in and pay the kings and selling their own people. Uh, Hillary continues with her royal commentary and also wants to know if the 2,000 members of the British Navy will be compensated as well. Maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, he's trying to get the hell out of there as quickly as he can. Boom. Mic drop moment. Don Lemon cannot be blamed for this. He's been this dumb for a long time. What I think is important is that whoever decided Don Lemon, which um, whomever decided Don Lemon needed to move to daytime from his failing nighttime show is the one who really needs to be called into question on this because it's just a bad idea. You don't fix a problem in a company by transferring a problem in a company. And yet that's what seems to have been done at CNN. What a dope. Sorry, Chris Licht. You're not doing it right, sir. Not even doing it right at all. Now, we have a lot of trans news today. It's kind of crazy. There was so much transy stuff going on over the weekend. There's the story out of JFK Airport in New York City where a TSA agent apparently was doing a, um, a pat-down on someone, and that someone appeared to be a woman but was still a man or still is a man, someone with uh, twig and berries still attached, and that person was absolutely flabbergasted and left sobbing, according to reports in the New York Post, after the TSA agent... Now, this is the headline, which defies reality. Quote, trans woman left sobbing in JFK airport after TSA agent hit her testicles. Close quote. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, people who are her... Don't have testicles. 
we are becoming the laughing stock of the entire world, are we not? Now, this trans person, who apparently claiming to be left in tears and took to social media to talk about their humiliation. Uh, really? Imagine the poor TSA agent who's patting down what appears to be a woman and goes, Hold on a second! We've got a twig and berries here! Unbelievable. Uh, and this is a good case, as as our friend Emily Zanotti points out, for the, uh, the immediate call to get rid of the TSA. Let's just put high-tech machine scanners there and, and let people walk through. Let's stop with all the damn pat-downs. You know, unbelievable. But that was a fun thing. And then uh, staying in the uh, trans lane, we also had uh, the insane thing that happened on TikTok uh, this week. We'll talk about TikTok. I'm still all for banning TikTok. Although, although if we ban TikTok, which I really want TikTok destroyed, taken out of America, it's China spying on Americans. And, and who's for spying? Oh, that's right, Joe Biden. But uh, TikTok has an account uh, where someone, a young person, I don't know if they're actually biologically male or female, but they identify as um, trans Hitler. <laughs> Not kidding. This is a young person whose hair is combed to the side like Hitler's, who doesn't have a mustache. I don't know if they could grow one. But they have a nose ring that looks like a Hitler mustache. And this is actually making the rounds on Twitter. So if you haven't seen my latest video where I made this new nose ring right here, People are essentially calling me every name under the sun because I had the Rice Adler on my jacket. So I need to tell you guys a little something about me. So this person who really looks like they would be um, destroyed by a stiff wind. This person uh, was wearing a German logo on a jacket in a previous video, so people are looking at him going, you look a little bit like Hitler's trans love child or something, and uh, wants to explain a little something about themselves. And you can call me crazy, you can call me whatever you'd like. You're crazy! You're out of your mind, you need help, get help! Any name under the sun. But I'm very in tune with my past. And are my you? past lives and lifetimes that I've lived before this one. Anytime someone says... Look, I'm really in tune with my past lives and my past lifetimes. I immediately turn up the volume because I want to know more. Just how crazy is this person? My last life just so happened to be a very infamous one. Why is it that everybody who remembers their past life was like a, a king or a queen or a member of the royal family or Adolf Hitler? They, they just weren't a blacksmith. You know, why is it that you're always somebody huge in history that just came to you as a child, right? Me offing myself was one of the first memories I had from that lifetime. So this kid, everyone's a kid to me because I'm older than everyone. This kid is claiming to be Hitler in a previous life and, and his first memory of Hitler in a previous life was killing himself in his bunker, I guess, with Ava Braun. <laughs> came to me when I was five in my nightmares. Sure, you're five years old. And how many five-year-olds uh, understand the concept of Adolf Hitler, much less the concept of suicide? I got it. Okay, continue. 
You can see right where I shot myself, too. Really? That and just so many other things throughout my life have connected me to my past. That and so many other things in my life have connected me to my past. Name one with facts and credibility. This is a mentally disturbed person. And you can go say, oh, go get on your meds again, you nutter. Yes, go get on your meds again, you nutter. No, go get counseling. And get outside. Get some vitamin D. His skin is almost transparent. I've been on so many meds and none of them have changed what I saw when I was five. Right. That just tells me the meds might be part of the problem. I'm just saying. Trans Hitler, everybody. Trans freaking Hitler. Happy Monday. (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. And it's almost enough to get me to say, oh, don't get rid of TikTok. But no, I have to stand up and say we have to get rid of TikTok. And there's one more additional reason that I know we have to get rid of TikTok. And this one should convince pretty much everybody except for whoever are the 10 or 11 people that call themselves members of the squad. AOC is now on TikTok. And she posted her first TikTok video this weekend. It's on Twitter. I'm not on TikTok. I won't be. So why would we be proposing a ban regarding such a significant issue without being included on this at all? It just doesn't feel right to me. Well, just because something doesn't feel right to you doesn't mean there aren't facts backing it up. The facts that we have, the facts that Twitter, Twitter is a uh, informational vacuum that is digitally sucking up all the information on Americas and all the Americans. It's a spy tool, you dolt. Something doesn't feel right. No, you're an idiot. Let's, let's see what else she has to say. And additionally, this case needs to be made to the public. We are a government by the people and for the people. And if we want to make a decision as significant as banning TikTok, and we believe or someone believes that there's really important information that the public deserves to know about why such a decision would be justified, that information should be shared with the public as well. Huh. You mean like a hearing in Congress where the leaders of TikTok would come in and talk about what they're doing? Yeah, well, we had that. We don't have a crazy democracy. We have a republic where representatives of the people will meet and make decisions. And it's frightening that you're one of those people and you can't grasp that concept in the middle of, of your second term in this job. This is amazing to me how dumb these people are. But then again, it's all part of this administration. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo earlier this month was talking with Bloomberg and she was also on Face the Nation. And uh, she thinks... Well, if we ban Twitter and the Democrats are seen as as the people that ban Twitter, then, well, we'll lose every voter under 35. Uh, Here's that clip from Face the Nation. The Commerce Secretary, though, recently said that the politician in her thinks a ban will mean losing every voter under 35 
forever. And if you look at use of TikTok, I mean, just last week, President Biden showed up in celebrity videos on TikTok from the White House. Uh, plenty of lawmakers, including your Democratic colleague, Senator Cory Booker, uses it. A number of House progressives use it. Uh, given how important this platform is to Democrats, can you actually get TikTok taken care of before 2024 when you might need it for political outreach? Ah, CBS rushing to say, well, well, just because China's using it to spy on us, you know, maybe you're going to want to use it because after all, the White House, Joey Biden's getting people live on TikTok inside the White House. China is laughing their butts off at us. China is herniating itself, laughing at us, absolutely bending over, laughing at us. Not all the Democrats are stupid, though. Not all of them. Representative Kathy McMorris actually appeared on with uh, Jake the Tapper and said this. What the hearing made clear to me was that TikTok should be banned in the United States of America to address the immediate threat. And we also need a, a national data privacy law. Be because to your point, repeatedly, Mr. Chu said that the data that they are amassing on Americans is accessible by the CCP. He, he was asked about the, the, uh, about ByteDance spying on Americans and he responded, oh, well, I wouldn't describe it as spying. What we, what we are seeing is that TikTok and Mr. Chu have repeatedly been caught in this lie that there's not a connection to ByteDance and ultimately the CCP. Yes, correct, Kathy. McMorris Rogers or Rogers McMorris, whatever you are, you're a Democrat and you get it. Does that mean there's hope for us? There's hope for the world? Maybe. One of Biden's spokespersons, retired Admiral John Kirby, was also on Face the Nation yesterday. And uh, he talked about the TikTok and the video shot inside the White House. We showed a video in that last segment of the <clears throat> president on TikTok from a video shot by a celebrity inside the White House. So for the 150 million Americans who still use this app, how do you say to them, sorry, we're going to take it away? It's not on it government. It's hypocritical. It's, it's hypocritical. Not, it's not on government devices. We do have <laughs> legitimate <laughs> national security concerns. We have leg legitimate national security concerns over, over TikTok. It's a useful political platform. I just would tell you that, again, yeah. that our, our concerns on the national security front are valid. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's not a, a government account, but yeah, it's not a U.S. government account, but you allowed a camera that links directly to China inside the White House. That's what that is. You people are stupid. You really are. Now, while we're in China, you got to wonder with um, last week's situation with Xi Jinping and Putin starting their love fest and their their uh, partnership to take down America. Joe Biden's probably set up an appointment or at least a discussion with Xi Jinping to say, uh, you don't want to do this. And he's probably talked to them about the spy balloon. Right. That's probably happened. No. What? Wait, no. Before. Tension with China has never been this high. It, it, there, there we are. And look, we, we understand that. 
Uh, and the president has said clearly he believes it's important to keep the lines of communication with China open. He wants to have another conversation with President Xi. We'll move in that direction. But these transits are normal, uh, particularly for this particular president. No date for that call. With no president date for Xi, that call. Yes. So no call, no discussion of the uh, of the flyovers. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's visiting Canada to hang out with the Canadians. No visit to East Palestine to find out how the people there are doing with the poison dirt and water and what the hell's going on with those folks. Hmm. Speaking of poisoned water, uh, Philadelphia, Friday, there was um, a report of a chemical that was poured into, leaked into the water supply for the city of Philadelphia. And this happened Friday, but the alert to maybe not drink the water didn't come out until Sunday, and that caused a panic, and people went into stores and started buying up all the bottled water they could find. And I think it's always a good idea to have a supply of food and water. You know, two weeks' worth. Even if that's that awful dried food, uh, I admit, we've got a couple weeks' worth of dried food, and regularly rotate through the bottled water just in case because if there is a uh, a problem with the food supply and the water supply i'd rather eat crappy food that was dehydrated than uh chase squirrels and try and make squirrel stew over an open fire in the backyard because the government also took away my gas stove which by the way they're still going for those New York's getting ready to ban gas stoves in new construction. Maybe we need to build a warehouse filled with old gas stoves and we could sell them on the black market. John Fetterman, senator from Pennsylvania, who basically has not been in work for six or seven weeks. John Fetterman, uh, he's probably going to weigh in on the drinking water. I remember when uh, he talked about it as a, as a candidate a long time ago. And we should all support replacing the lead pipes and ensuring that everyone has clean, safe, clean drinking work, uh, water. Sure, sure. And where is that guy? What's up with the pictures we saw this weekend? What the hell's going on with the photos? I, uh... I don't think there's a body double for everybody who's saying that. I'm sorry if you think that's the reality. I, I have no idea what's going on with Fetterman, but I certainly don't believe there's a body double situation with the guy. I just think he's unfit to serve. And Democrats are absolutely terrified of the possibility of a special election. And they know they will lose it because... They lied to the people of Pennsylvania about the viability of this guy. All right, I'm going to be keeping an eye on everything as it relates to the uh, grand jury in Manhattan, which is allegedly going to be reconvening. And uh, maybe we'll find out whether they're going to go away or they're going to press on. But uh, before I check out of here today, I want to get some legal advice on the grand jury and on some dumb legal cases that show up in the food court. And for that, I rely on our good friend, Dr. Wendy Patrick, and we'll get her legal advice in here next on the Pure Opelka podcast. 
Our friend Wendy Patrick is joining us, and I have legal questions, but I also have to alert Wendy that food court is in session, and we are... <laughs> We are in the food court at the mall. We should really do a show from a mall, Wendy, from the food court, asking legal questions. Hello, my friend. It's always a pleasure to join you, Mike. I'm uh, I, I'm focused on food stories this week, as I always am, because uh, like almost every guy I know, I'm always hungry. And it's one of those things. <laughs> I see stories and I go, oh, hold on a second. Uh, has there been a dumber pair of criminals than the guys who escaped from uh, prison, jail, whatever it was, and then went to an IHOP and got arrested. Well, I'll tell you what, Mike, if you are going to have one of the few breakfasts out of custody that you're probably going to have for a while, I would think that'd probably be at the top of the list. I mean, who doesn't love IHOP? In case I don't know if you belong to their birthday club, but you get a free stack every year if you don't. It's a wonderful restaurant, and I'm not surprised that that's where they chose. Well, Rudy Tootie, fresh and fruity, the story out of... That's right! That's New- right. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you know that, too. <laughs> of course. Newport News, Virginia, two inmates used like a toothbrush and some primitive tools. They created a hole in the wall. Their cell escaped. And in a few hours, they were captured already because they went to IHOP. Now, when you do something like that, Wendy, uh, how much more time does that add to your sentence? Yeah, really. You know, that's always it is how much force are you going to make it for yourself by escaping and getting caught? And was it worth the stack of pancakes? You know, I suppose the good news is we do catch uh, almost everybody that escapes from prison. So they probably anticipated that as well. Um, but you're right. I mean, why? I'm, I'm sure that the food they get in is, isn't as good as IHOP, but it's probably not worth getting to go to IHOP so far in the future now once they get uh, written up, shall we say, for this escape. <laughs> I can't believe, Mike, that people are still able to so easily escape from certain types of facilities to begin with. So a lot of angles to that story. There sure are. And, you know, they're going to miss that bottomless cup of coffee that they won't get <laughs> in prison, in the commissary. Uh, the, other, right. the other food court story, I have to ask you, how is this going to get all the way to the Supreme Court, or will it? The lawsuit, the Jack Daniels people are mad because a dog toy looks too much like their bottle of uh, whiskey. Yeah, you know what's interesting about this one is when you look at the pure legal issues, it's whether or not humorous use of somebody else's trademark as, as your own is subject to the Lanham Act's traditional likelihood of confusion analysis. So think about that. Are you really going to confuse a dog toy with a bottle of whiskey? I suppose the answer is I hope not. But, you know, you can you can understand what that might represent in terms of, well, you know, there are lots of other cases that involve much more serious matters. Should we necessarily not look at this one? But, you know, it was a very um, lively argument. The justices appeared sympathetic <laughs> to Jack Daniels in this trademark parody dispute. Now, I know we can go, go all over the place with that. But it's just interesting that sometimes even when something might appear on its face to be trivial, the issues involved are actually quite serious and may constitute, you know, you and I both talk about precedent, may constitute precedent for future cases. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by this one. But I, I think the only way you mistake a dog toy for Jack Daniels is because you've had too much Jack Daniels already. <laughs> and by the way, the dog toy read bad stuff. 
spaniels. So I guess if you have too much to drink, your your vision is blurred anyway, and you probably couldn't tell the difference. Bartender, give me a double shot of bad yeah. spaniels, please. Uh, bad spaniels. Yeah, bad spaniels. All right, Wendy, uh, the big talk all around the legal world the last uh, couple of weeks has been the grand juries that are and I, I said plural, juries that are investigating Donald Trump. There was allegedly going to be an arrest. There was an arrest. Then there was more testimony. And uh, grand juries are supposed to be secret, I thought. How is all this stuff getting out? Right. Well, grand juries are, are secret. Um, the witnesses sometimes are not bound, however, by any kind of rules. And they've, they've shared their testimony. Now, they can only share that. They have no idea what else the grand jurors are considering. But that's right. So grand jury proceedings are secret. And that's by design so that there's nothing that can be in the court of public opinion that'll jeopardize color or compromise the integrity of their deliberations, their discussion, and ultimately their conclusion. Now, it's true that there are several grand juries that are, I want to say, almost always in session talking about something the president did or didn't do. But the real one we're talking about, of course, is the case in Manhattan. And by the way, you know, it's not unusual for grand juries to take a break because a witness is unavailable. Maybe a grand juror has a conflict or there are other cases they're hearing. All three of those happened last week. So the fact that they're reconvening and they're going to go back at it, whether or not there's a witness, they can't be rushed in coming up with an indictment simply or not, simply because the court of public opinion is clamoring for it. I mean, we don't even know for sure exactly what they're considering. And you can imagine there's no prosecutor's office that wants to swing and miss. In other words, if you're going to bring charges, they want to make sure they do what they need to do to establish everything they're asking the jury to opine on. So I sure hope they're not going to rush through this when they deliberate simply because they're feeling public pressure. And my, you know, me, eternal optimist, I believe they're going to take their jobs very seriously and they're going to give every element of every charge due consideration in order to do the right thing. I hope so, too. You know, you you want your judicial system to have a spine and a foundation and right. you, you wanted to have ethics. And let's say that this uh, this last witness who came up, the Trump advisor, the former attorney who worked with Michael Cohen, let, let's say that whatever he said seems to let all the air out of Alvin Bragg's balloon, the Manhattan district attorney. Is it unusual for a DA to say, hey, uh, this isn't going to go anywhere. We're just going to release the grand jury and nothing's going to happen? Well, remember, prosecutors make decisions not based on fear or favor. They follow the evidence and they do what they it was legally and ethically correct. Sometimes that means uh, pushing forward on charges. Sometimes it means adding new charges, subtracting charges, changing charges, deciding whether or not to call witnesses in rebuttal. Um, so anything can happen. But you are correct that it's always based on the evidence and wherever that leads. You know, we're so used to saying follow the money. As prosecutors, we follow the evidence. And that's the way that we present our cases to make sure jurors always do the right thing. We hope so. I just hope that this, uh, whichever way it goes, it's based on the law and the evidence and not the politics, because that would Amen be... Amen to that. Uh, Amen to that, uh, Mike. That would make me very nervous. Her her name is Wendy Patrick, and she is our, our uh, presiding judge in the food court, as well as <laughs> our uh, brain that we pick out all legal issues. And you can find her on Twitter, especially, Wendy Patrick, PhD, and always wherever I am on the radio. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me, Mike. 